guys, welcome to the Fitness Logic Podcast with your host, Aladdin Hamed. This is episode one of a series that will be bringing you great content on health and fitness and the science that takes place behind the scenes. For today's episode, we're going to go over how fascia stretching plays a role in muscle mass and development and the big no-nos that are killing your gains. If this is your first time tuning in, thanks for listening. I plan to create great content for you guys, so prick up your ears and don't go anywhere. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, Show notes and any key points I mention will be found on the Fitness Logic Facebook page, so for show notes, please check there. If you like the content I provide, please feel free to add the podcast to your RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow my Instagram under FitnessLogicMN, and don't forget to add me on Facebook. So first topic of discussion, guys, is fascia. More specifically, how your fascia can play a role in either restricting muscle growth or aiding it and how to manipulate it properly to get better development and potentially bring up some lagging muscle groups. After that, we'll discuss the big no-nos that are killing your gains. So let's get started. What is fascia? Well, for those who have been deer hunting, uh, you might be familiar with it. It's that web-like white tissue that encapsulates the entire body of the animal. Um, you can see it through the wound. It resembles a webbing-like material. So what's fascia? It's connective tissue. It's a matrix of collagen structures, and it, it encapsulates our entire body head to toe, all of our muscle bellies and organs, and it's actually what allows us to move so fluid-like and, and smooth biologically. It's actually what holds us together. Now, talking about fascia can get really complex. I, I want to simplify things and discuss my experience with manipulating and improving fascia health and the benefits you can expect from that. What you must know first is that fascia can be very restrictive to muscle growth, uh, especially if you're a more seasoned weightlifter. Uh, you've developed a lot of areas and maximized your frame, uh, or so you think, because you've hit a wall and you you can't get the peaks of your biceps to grow or you're struggling with calves as of 99% of people. And that's a perfect example of how fascia can be very restrictive to muscle growth. And I'll tell you right away that the fascia around your calves is, is very different from an area that, that seems to be more fluid or smooth like your biceps. So they have to be trained differently. And you know, most guys have an issue developing calves uh, for a few reasons. First, they don't put the work in. You know, that's obvious. They may train calves uh, once a week or once every two weeks and wonder why they're not responding. Well, for one, that's a muscle that's used every day in excess, and they need to be trained more frequently to respond and grow and with different kinds of stimuli in the mix as well. Second reason is a lack of understanding that not every muscle group responds the same way to the same kind of stimuli. For example, the structure of your connective tissues and fascia that encapsulates your calves, like I said, very, very different from your biceps, different from your traps and your shoulders. Different concentrations of collagen types, tension and thickness will differ. So your calves and other areas with more restrictive fascia, they need special attention. Now, on a side note, before I dive into that, ladies, when you hear a guy say his genetics are the culprit of his small calves, please elbow him in the throat and leave him there to reassess his life. That is a weak man with nothing but excuses. Anyways, a good way for people to realize this difference in tension in the different areas right away, try to stretch your calf at any given time versus stretching your biceps or your delts or an area that seems more fluid. 
you know, an area that doesn't seem as tightly bound or woven. And you'll be able to, to, to see this by how it feels when you try to stretch that area. You can immediately feel how tight and restrictive the connective tissue around your calves are. It's not super fun to stretch your calves. It's, it's possibly the most uncomfortable or tightest area to stretch, and there is such resistance. And if you're stretching properly, you feel that pulling sensation of the fascia wanting to stay so tightly bound. And the point to take away here is that it can be restrictive to muscle growth as it can prevent the proper space needed for the muscle fibers to grow and thicken from your hypertrophy training. And part of the reason why getting a great pump is so important is because it can help create more room for the muscle to grow, amongst other reasons why the pump is necessary, of course. But looking at things from a structural perspective, you need to have healthy fascia that you can manipulate to your advantage during your workout, which will yield great results for those who have hit plateaus in certain areas or can't seem to make any progress or are struggling uh, developing a, a certain area. Now, on to the exciting part. How do I stretch my fascia properly to get these gains? That's gains with three Zs. Gains. So, fascia stretching is completely different from regular stretching. For the benefits I mentioned, you're going to be doing fascia stretching during your training. You will only start to initiate it when you are several sets deep and your pump is adequate and whatever area you're working has gotten so tight and full and just full of volume to the point where you know you've lost mobility. Uh, when you have that great pump and and it's the muscle is very full, that is when you want to start doing the fascia stretching. So a good example would be say back day, and you know you're really struggling developing a wide back, getting your lats to open up and spread properly. A great stretch I do every single back day is hanging from a pull-up bar and getting everything from my rear delts to my lower lats to open up and loosen and get fresh blood in the tissue. And the trick though, you have to properly stretch the fascia for a minimum of one to two minutes with proper breathing. You have to be properly hydrated as well. Um, and even longer, believe it or not, the stretch can be held for longer. Fascia is very, very tight. It needs special attention and it needs to be held for longer than a minute with proper breathing. And you know, a few more good examples, uh, say chest day, you can grab a five or 10 pound dumbbell and pretend you're going to do dumbbell flies, but holding the weight at the very bottom of the movement and, you know, exaggerate it into a stretch, get your rib cage to open up and really get your chest to expand and stretch into a new dimension. And Arnold was actually a big advocate of fascia stretching. And he used to do this very stretch at the end of his chest workouts. And as you can tell, the results are tremendous and you can get great benefit right away visually as well as getting the fascia to loosen and your mobility improves from that as well. Uh, you can contract those areas better, the set following the stretch, even posing afterwards. You will appear bigger and better laid out and it's because you were causing a structural change. You have elongated certain fibers and now the muscle bellies appear bigger. They have more room to expand and contract. The fascia is loosened. It feels great and it looks great. Especially those with good development and low body fat can notice the changes very quickly. Of course, the long-term benefits of fascia stretching for muscle growth, that requires more patience and consistency each workout. 
And you'll be surprised by the results if you put in the work in a great way to test this method for those who are maybe uh, skeptical or just afraid of implementing new methods. I urge you to try it out on at least one body part every week and pay attention to the development of that area over the others that you're not doing the fascia stretching for and just pay attention for the next few weeks. It's outstanding and there's great fascia stretches for every body part. So it's a method you can implement on any training day. And for those of you that may need some pointers on different fascia stretches for different muscle groups you may be struggling with, please reach out to me on social media. I would be glad to help. So on to one of my favorite topics to discuss, the big no-nos that are killing your gains. So what are these? Well, first, I want to talk about NSAIDs or NSAIDs. And that stands for non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. I'm sure you're all familiar with these. These are things like Tylenol, ibuprofen, Aleve, etc. These over-the-counter anti-inflammatories. And even natural anti-inflammatories within a few hours of training uh, can have this negative impact I'm going to talk about. But what's this impact? Well, it has to do with inflammation. And what you have to know first is that To get the proper results from resistance or strength training, there's a few things that need to take place. Of course, the first, cause the damage, right? Lift the weights, do the workout. But that's not where the magic is happening, right? The magic happens following the workout when you're resting. But during is where the damage and stress is caused to create an adaptation and response in the trained areas. But what process is the repair and remodel process? It's inflammation. That's right. Now, normally, when people hear inflammation, it's associated with pain or a health issue because we've been primed to understand that inflammation is an awful thing. We only correlate it with something negative. But what's awful about inflammation is when it's chronic and when it's present when it shouldn't be, you know, when it's invited on by poor diet and poor lifestyle choices. And chronic inflammation is very serious. It's a leading cause of many diseases and it, it must be addressed. And I will dive into ways to naturally lower inflammation uh, in a future episode. Uh, now I want to talk about what is inflammation and, and how it plays a role in the results you can expect from your training. Now, here's the definition. It's the complex biological response to harmful stimuli such as pathogens, damaged cells, or irritants, and the main function is to initiate tissue repair. Now, you can imagine why it's a necessary process to undergo following your training. Your body needs to start this process by sending inflammatory cytokines to the damaged area, activating satellite cells so they can add more nuclei to the muscle cell, and that will contribute to the growth of the myofibrils, aka muscle tissue. You get the idea. Now, these NSAIDs and other potent anti-inflammatories, even things like turmeric or fish oil, they can interfere with this process and negate some of your efforts in the gym. Now, I recommend never taking NSAIDs as they cause a plethora of other health issues besides just the negative impact on exercise. We're talking kidney issues, liver hepatoxicity, major damage to your digestive system, and intestinal lining. It's awful stuff. However, I am a strong advocate of natural anti-inflammatories like fish oil 
astaxanthin, black seed oil. There's hundreds of natural anti-inflammatories. Now, these don't pose the health risks that the NSAIDs do, but you still do not want to take them within a three-hour window or so of your training, and it's because they interfere with the acute inflammatory process that needs to take place. So, now you know. Quit killing your gains. Don't be eating ibuprofen like candy and popping Tylenol. No good. So on to the second major killer. Boom, boom, boom. Alcohol. Now, before I dive into that, I'd like to take a moment of silence for those whose dreams I may crush by exposing alcohol as a major gains killer. That's right. If you had dreams of building all this muscle and looking like Zeus at the bars on the weekend, good luck. Now, there's a lot of guys in shape with relatively decent amount of muscle that may drink often, so we do have to exclude the genetically gifted. But generally speaking, you will not and cannot be a great developed bodybuilder if you're always getting hammered. Just doesn't happen. Now, why is alcohol the enemy of a good physique? Well, a few reasons. First, we'll talk liver function. Most people are familiar with that correlation. Alcohol and your liver are not the greatest of friends. Well, why? First off, alcohol disrupts the Krebs cycle, which, simply put, is the process in which your body converts glucose, fats, proteins into energy for cells in the form of adenosine triphosphate, or ATP. Now, interfering with this process significantly slows your metabolism and your ability to burn fat properly. Another negative correlation of alcohol that is well known is also its impact on hydration. It reduces how much fluid is held in the cell and it can block the absorption of nutrients that are key to muscle contraction. Things like phosphorus, calcium, magnesium, iron, potassium. Dehydration is no joke and for many reasons, uh, one in particular that pertains to our discussion, severe dehydration causes muscle atrophy, muscle loss. And it creates an environment that is catabolic for your muscle tissue. And to top it off, it's been shown to reduce muscle protein synthesis by up to 20%. 20%. That's huge, especially considering that to be able to build muscle, your rate of protein synthesis must be higher than the rate of muscle breakdown. And to add more to why that's such a big deal is when you're talking about you know, anabolic compounds that increase muscle mass. A major reason why is the increase in protein synthesis, the, the activation of the anabolic pathway that synthesizes protein, also known as mTOR. It's a major, major factor that is involved in maintaining and impacting muscle growth. Now, I'm sure some of you are thinking, man, that really blows. I love drinking. Well, guess what? gets worse. Alcohol lowers testosterone and it increases the female hormone estrogen. Yeah. Man boobs is on the horizon for some of you. And I know you're wondering, well, Al, how is this nonsense happening? Well, a few different ways. One, there's an enzyme called the aromatase enzyme. And one of its functions is the conversion of testosterone to estrogen. Well, why the heck do we have this enzyme? It's to maintain homeostasis. The body always needs a certain balance. 
But guys, why do guys need levels of estrogen in the body? Well, we need it for a proper functioning immune system. We need it for joint health. And believe it or not, estrogen is needed uh, to a certain degree to be able to build muscle properly. So it all plays a role. What the alcohol does, though, is it amplifies the activity of this enzyme. So your body's converting more testosterone into estrogen. And high estrogen levels causes a few problems. And one is uh, more fat accumulation around the hips, lower stomach area, love handles, which you'll notice in the body of frequent drinkers very profoundly. It uh, makes you soft and squishy. No good. And it raises estrogen via another mechanism as well. And it's because another function of the liver is to remove toxins, but also to break down and remove excess hormones as well. And one of those is estrogen. Once estrogen has played its role in the body, it's sent to the liver to be broken down and then removed by the colon. Now, under the influence of alcohol, these phases of liver detox are impacted dramatically, and your liver struggles to perform these tasks. So when the estrogen is not metabolized properly, it can be reabsorbed back in the body. It's crazy. Now, I didn't plan to crush everyone's source of weekend fun, without suggesting an alternative. And with that being said, for those of you that are fans of the devil's lettuce, aka cannabis, you're in the clear. No negative effects or impairments that will impact your efforts in the gym. Some studies actually point to cannabis having positive effects post-exercise. And one of them is increasing muscle cell insulin sensitivity, which is a great benefit that allows insulin to better shuttle glucose into skeletal muscle. It's a great tool for increasing gains in that sense from your resistance training. And it's also a great tool for those looking to add size but have trouble with their appetite. So the lesson of all this, guys, NSAIDs are robbing your gains and you booze, you lose. Now, until next time, folks, this will wrap things up. Thank you for listening to the Fitness Logic Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on Google Play or iTunes, and be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram, and hang tight until next time.